Nirvana Mohajita Sangha Dosha Adhyatma Nityavani Vritta Kama Vanvarimukha Sukhadukha Sangar Kachanya Buddha Padam Avyamta Those are free from false prestige, illusion, and false association. Will understand the eternal, but done with material lust. We are free from the duality of happiness and distress. And who unbewildered know how to surrender unto the Supreme Person attain to that eternal kingdom. The Prophet's purport. The surrendering process is described here very nicely. The first qualification is that one should not be deluded by pride. Because the conditioned soul is puffed up, thinking himself the Lord of material nature, it is very difficult for him to surrender unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead. One should know by cultivation of real knowledge that he is not the Lord of material nature. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is the Lord. But when one is free from delusion caused by pride, he can begin the process to surrender. For one who is always expecting some honor in this material world, it is not possible to surrender to the Supreme Person. Pride is due to illusion. For although one comes here, it stays for a brief time and then goes away, he has a foolish notion that he is the Lord of the world. He thus makes all things complicated and he is always in trouble. The whole world moves under this impression. People are considering the land, this earth, to belong to human society. And they have divided the land under the false impression that they are the proprietors. One has to get out of this false notion that human society is the proprietor of this world. When one is free from such a false notion, he becomes free from all false associations caused from familial, social, and national affections. These faulty associations bind one to this material world. After this stage, one has to develop spiritual knowledge. One has to cultivate knowledge of what is actually his own and what is actually not his own. When one comes to an understanding of things as they are, he becomes free from all dual conceptions, such as happiness and distress, pleasure and pain. He becomes full of knowledge, then it's possible for him to surrender to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Those who are free from false prestige, illusion, and false association will understand the eternal, who are done with material lust, and who are free from the dualities of happiness and distress, and who unbewildered know how to surrender into the Supreme Person, attain to that eternal kingdom. Namo Vishnu Vraya Krishna Pristaya Bhutai, Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Tanamade, Namaste Sarasukunde, Gauravani Bacharane, Nirvijesha Shunivadi Paskyakyai Desi.
In this verse, Shula Prabhupada is emphasizing and repeatedly that the beginning of the entanglement of the mature world is considered to consider oneself the proprietor of this mature world. And because of that, one is works under the material conception of life in delusion, as it says that Maya is right next to us. And as soon as we turn our face away from Krishna, then at once Maya is there to slap us down. Now, generally speaking, the question is, how does Maya work in order to put us into illusion? So in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna has told us, Purusha prakriti sohi, punkte prakriti jangunan, karna guna sangosya, sad asad yoni janmisu. That the living entity in this mature world has follow, follows the ways of life, enjoying the three modes of material nature. This is due to the, his association with that material nature, and thus he meets with both good and evil amongst the various species. So that association is especially emphasized by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. As it says in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Mighty Leela, chapter 22, verse number 87. Sri Sangi Eka Asaru Krishna Bhakta R. And Prabhupada writes in the purport of Srimad Bhagavatam 329.18. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's advice, asat sangatyag, one should avoid persons who are attached to the temporary. Asat is one who is too materially attached, who is not a devotee of the Lord, and is too attached to women or enjoyable material things. Such a person, according to Vaishnava philosophy, is a person non grata. A devotee should not be proud of his acquisitions. The symptoms of a devotee are meekness and humility. Although spiritually very advanced, he will always remain meek and humble, as Krishna Das Kavaraj and all the other Vaishnavas have taught us by personal example. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught that one should be humbler than the grass on the street and more tolerant than the tree. One should not be proud or falsely puffed up. In this way, one will surely advance in spiritual life. In other words, if we associate with sadhus, then we'll become a sadhu. And if we associate with non-devotees, then we'll become influenced by them. That one has to be careful and see if by such association, we're actually becoming influenced by them or we're influencing them. There's a story of the Brahmin who was living a very simple life and decided to take a bath in the Ganges. After taking bath in the Ganges, or before taking, he put his copins, his underwear, out on the bank of the river to dry. And then he himself, while he was drying himself off in the sun, one mouse came and stole his underwear. So the Brahmin became very disturbed and he decided 
that in order to protect his underwear, that he'd get a cat. He went and begged the cat, and the cat very dutifully began to protect his underwear. Success. Unfortunately, the cat started to meow. And after inquiring from the learned people that he knew, he discovered that the cat wanted some milk. But since there was no grocery store nearby, he had to get a cow. But because uh, technically he didn't know how to milk a cow, therefore he decided to get married and get a wife who knew how to milk cows. But he soon discovered after getting married that his wife wanted some children, so he had to get a house. To get at the house, he had to get a job, and to get the job, he had to go to work. Or to go to work, he needed a car. And in order to get a car, he had to work at night in order to pay for the house and the car and, and the wife and the cow and the cat and the children. And after some time, he realized that things were getting too complicated, that maybe it's better off I just throw my underwear away and just walk away. And that's what he did. So the material world means, as Prabhupada says, that by such association, we make everything complicated. By when you associate with materialists, everything becomes very complicated and we're always in trouble. Similarly, we can see in modern society because the leaders are not Krishna conscious. The whole society is generally going from one crisis to the next one pandemic to the next, one war to the next, one financial crisis to the next, never ending. And because the devotees sometimes, they actually become dependent on persons who are materialists. Therefore, the devotees also sometimes become compromised in their philosophy and their behavior by such dependency on materialistic persons. Of course, the idea is that an advanced devotee can accept contributions from materialists and spend them properly to advance the Krishna consciousness movement. Prabhupada writes in the Nectar of Devotion that we're not against technology, we're not against the machines that technology produces, such as computers, or dictaphones, or microphones, or airplanes, that we utilize those for Krishna's service. But sometimes, unknowingly, by associating with materialistic persons, we may find ourselves in situations where we compromise our good sense and our philosophy in order to keep the materialistic people happy. Now, the history of our movement is that often, or we, I could say, that after Srila Prabhupada left especially, there was this conception of zonal acharyas, which I think most of you are probably familiar with, that devotees identify themselves 
more with a particular zone, or at least the, the zonal acharya within that zone than they did with Iskai, or as being the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna. That sometimes even devotees were in a different zone if they got initiated by a certain zonal acharya, then they were inspired or requested to come to that initiating guru's zone, perform service there. And so that was the beginning of identifying oneself more as a uh, initiated devotee of a certain initiating spiritual master than as a servant of the entire society. Now, of course, if the spiritual master teaches his disciples that your real identity is dasa, dasa, anudasa, that you're Krishna, the servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna, and in such teaching, they learn properly how to reciprocate the loving exchanges with devotees, not according to their country that they're born in, their particular uh, race, or even their gender, or even who they're initiated by, but to see every devotee according to the level of spiritual advancement that they've achieved and serve and appreciate and love them appropriately. So Sri Rupa Goswami tells us that if one is and more advanced than oneself, if one is more enthusiastic in devotional service and one is more appreciative of the other devotees and at the same time more steady, more strict in following the pr principles of devotional service, then we can learn from such a devotee how we can love the devotees, appreciate them more, and also become more steady in our service, in our sadhana. And for the devotees we see on the same level as ourselves, then we should cooperate with them to help spread the Krishna consciousness movement. Spreading the Krishna consciousness movement means that even in our home, we have a program. We chant Hare Krishna with our family, with our husband and wife and children, or maybe we have some friends who join us for the program. So this is also cooperation, hearing and chanting together. And sometimes we may go out on Hari Nam and try to inspire others to take up the process of devotional service and we go out together, chanting together, distributing books together, distributing prasadam together. So this is also cooperation. And when we find someone who's not as aware of the, pro of the process of devotional service and not as aware of the, how we can appreciate the devotees and not as aware of what the process of devotional service is, then we could try to help that devotee elevate themselves to a higher level of pure devotional service. In this way, we see every devotee as the object of our service, and we see Krishna as our eternal master and his representatives as also equally our eternal master, as representatives of Krishna. And we join together to inspire each other in Krishna consciousness and to help innocent people become Krishna conscious. At the same time, we have to be careful that we don't become so much dependent on materialists that we lose our sense of 
of not only appreciation of the devotees, but even care for the devotees. That buildings become, become, and projects and everything else becomes more important than the welfare of devotees. That it's not that, well, as I said, there was some idea that, well, Prabhupada had the idea that in order to keep our society together, we sh should have a GBC, Prabhupada, from the very early days of ISKCON, created a GBC so that the GBC could try to unite the movement together in unity and diversity. Unfortunately, in the after Srila Prabhupada left, in spite of all the training that Prabhupada tried, the GBC became eclipsed by other forces which became more powerful than the GBC, more influential. And, and therefore, elements of unwanted association were also introduced, unwanted conceptions were also introduced, such as if you are born in my zone, or if you live in my zone, then you have to take initiation from me. And, and therefore people were, were told who to take initiation from, not on the basis of their own uh, understanding of Guru, Sado, and Shastra, their own vision of who to take shelter of, but were based upon material considerations of being born in a certain place. Now, of course, we know, unfortunately, there was some difficulty because of that. Although these devotees who had the difficulty were among Shula Prabhupada's closest followers, but even if unwanted conception enters into the movement, then it can create quite a bit of havoc. Now, after the Zonlacharya system was eliminated for the most part, still the idea of loyalty, strict loyalty to the guru, which is good, we should be 100% loyal to our initiating guru, and he should teach us how to become servants appropriately of all the other devotees, not one or two devotees, but all the devotees so that we can actually create a spiritual family. But with the big, big acharyas that were created and were subsequently created afterwards, due to the fact that some devotees are more charismatic, perhaps, more advanced in devotional service, or sometimes more interested in or making disciples for maybe out of mercy or out of other reasons. Uh, and therefore the DVC, because it never created a very clear vision for our mission or our process of fulfilling that mission, the prominence of gurus within our society remain the same to a certain extent. Although there were some attempts to create a vision and a mission for our society uh, nothing really substantial has come about so far. And therefore, certain charismatic leaders, they have more influence than others, or certain leaders who, for one reason or another, created more followers or disciples, or 
to receive more uh, material assets to use in Christian service became more influential, which is not wrong as long as they use it for Krishna service appropriately. And that's supposed to be the job of the GBC. But nowadays we, we find also that if we rely upon our leaders in ways which are inappropriate, for instance, it is not because I'm an initiating guru, therefore I know everything about what my disciples should do. I don't I'm not necessarily the best marriage counselor. I may not be the best healthcare counselor either. I may not be the best financial advisor for my disciple. But if I start, if an initiating guru using his influence over the disciple for all good intentions doesn't strictly work according to their actual expertise and their actual philosophical understanding and act more independent than in cooperation with the actual authorities within ISKCON. And the authorities in ISKCON also have to work in, in under the guidance to the best of their ability of Srila Prabhupada and his instructions. If they give guidance to things that actually are beyond their capacity of understanding or realization, especially in subject matters which they're not expert in, it can create a lot of confusion and misdirect their followers in ways that may create unwanted results. So we, we find that because devotees became disappointed in the leadership and the quality of the spiritual guidance that they were given, even by some of the best devotees within our society. Uh, therefore, our preaching in many parts of the world practically diminished or diminished, became threatened with non-existence. Many devotees in areas that were flourishing in ISKCON lost faith when their leaders had fall downs, which were quite uh, scandalous. Uh, leaders that they believed were infallible and were directly in touch with the Supreme Personality of God. What happened? The, uh, directly in touch with the Supreme Personality of God had somehow or another by unwanted influence became affected and could not maintain their position. And therefore, as we can see, the devotees lost faith. Uh, and especially in those areas, the, the preaching began to fall apart. So this resulted in the devotees leaving the temple, some becoming congregational members rather than full-time devotees, others leaving ISKCON entirely and joining other religious organizations such as the Gaudiya Math, becoming a red vase. And in the case of the Guru Kulis, uh, they're filing court cases against ISKCON, which costs the society millions of dollars. So this is a very important thing that now that we're faced with this uh, COVID-19 and devotees are wondering 
what they should do and what they should not do. Uh, it's important to actually look for authorities who are unbiased to decide what to do and what not to do. Because uh, ISKCON, of course, is a big organization and has big projects. And some of those projects are dependent on per persons who have interests. They may not be 100% engaged in pure devotional service, but they're well wishes of the society and they give substantial donations because of their position within the, the material society. Uh, they have accumulated a lot of wealth and influence and they can help the society in many different ways. But on the other hand, if they're engaged in, in, in collecting the money from areas such as uh, medical areas and other things which may compromise their own, well, for them, it's not a compromise. It's just very clear that this is their means of gaining money and livelihood and they're enthusiastic about doing it. And at the same time, they may have some sentiment for our devotees, for our for Srila Prabhupada, for our movement, and they give donations, and they may be expecting a certain amount of reciprocation from ISKCON, and they certainly don't expect anything which would run contrary to their, their own interests, since they're giving donations to ISKCON, and they expect some reciprocation also from ISKCON. So sometimes that may compromise the information coming from our leadership because they may feel in a position where they are not free to either investigate things properly or to express things properly to the society. Similarly, we have many, many congregational members who are devotees or aspiring to become devotees or friends of the devotees. And they also are many times professionals in the medical field but they themselves have been trained in a certain way, in a certain conception of what medicine is, and therefore, is, and they're engaged in an occupation where freedom of thought is not very much appreciated. Freedom of investigation of thought. If they want to maintain their position in that particular occupation, generally speaking, they have to follow certain protocols. But because they're in a very prominent position within society, Therefore, they also have uh, very kindly, they give donations to the society and they participate in the society's activities and they're recognized as authorities in a particular field, but that author as authorities in that particular field may not be unbiased in their presentation. What would actually benefit devotees at this particular time uh, during this crisis? Therefore, it's good to seek out not only standard medical advice coming from what would be called uh, certain fields of medicine, but to actually try to see things from other points of view, which may not be so much uh, compromised by their circumstances. Of course, modern society is going in a certain direction and that may be difficult, not only within society, people find it difficult to seek such unbiased understanding of things, but also within 
ISKCON, sometimes it becomes very difficult when we see our leaders inspiring, directing us in a certain way. And we, uh, we become confused because these are our leaders. We want to be loyal. We want to serve Srila Prabhupada. We want to serve his mission. So those are all very important and we should cooperate in the mission and we should be loyal to ISKCON, but we should also use our intelligence in the personal decisions that we have to make as much as we can make them. That doesn't run contrary to the laws of the government or would put ISKCON in, in a bad light, but we have to use our intelligence to make our personal decisions. What would be best for our health? What would be best for our welfare? what would be best for our mental state of, of consciousness to further our Krishna consciousness and not blindly, even our own leaders, if they themselves appear to be blindly following other leaders who are not actually coming from the, we could say the Vedic conception of life where people are responsible for their own health by following certain regulations of life, such as cleanliness, truthfulness, austerity, and mercy. We're not engaged in illicit sex, meat eating, gambling, intoxication, and uh, I think I covered all of them, illicit sex, meat eating, gambling, and intoxication. So those who are engaged in such activities, even though they may be very helpful for our society and their help is always appreciated, but their viewpoints may be sometimes compromised by their own association and their own obligations. So again, uh, the fine line between taking uh, contributions from people and utilizing them in Krishna service, the propagation of Krishna consciousness is a very tricky situation. Prabhupada writes in the Nectar of Instruction that in verse number four, that we, be, we have to be very careful about who we accept contributions from, because otherwise it may materially affect us. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for instance, said in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that if we accept food, for, even food from non-devotees, our minds will become wicked. And we accept contributions from people and they're not devotees and they're not strictly utilized according to Prabhupada's desires, mood and instructions, then we may become influenced by such association and our devotional service will become slackened. So Queen Kundi says in the Chaitanya in the Shrimad Bhagavatam, Jan Mai Shorya Shruta Shivir Edamanak Madakuman. That anyone who is too much interested in Janma, Aishvarya, Shruta, Shribir, that is, anyone too, too much interested in high birth, the material education, bodily beauty, beauty or influence, material influence, then they cannot chant Hare Krishna with feeling. In other words, being interested in getting things for Krishna's service uh, is not exactly what this means. 
It means that if one is hankering for more and more material achievements in the realm of getting a better and better position in the material world, getting more and more recognition, getting more and more influence, getting more and more material education and learning, then the result is that it may compromise the devotee. So one will not approach the Lord with such sincere feelings. In other words, pride comes before the fall. If I think I'm gaining something materially and that becomes the concern of my existence, then I, I'll become full of pride and I won't be able to chant the holy name with feeling. So Prabhupada writes in the purport of Auntie Leela 3, 139. This is concerning a prostitute. The prostitute had tried to seduce Haridas Thakur, but Haridas Thakur, being a great devotee of Lord Krishna, always absorbed in meditation on Krishna's name, form, quality, and pastimes. Then she was not able to influence Haridas Thakur. Instead, by his association, she became a pure devotee. But becoming a pure devotee wasn't enough. Haridas Thakur requested her, first of all, to take all her belongings that she had acquired for, from her sinful activities and distribute them to the Brahmins and to the Vaishnavas. And after doing so, come back and receive instructions from him, which she did. And she stayed in one place in front of a Tulsi uh, bush. And she chanted Hare Krishna day and night and accepted alms from those who came to visit her to have association with a former prostitute who had now become a great devotee of Lord Krishna. So Prabhupada writes, following the instructions of Haridas, Pura Vaishnav does not personally take even a single paisa from anyone, but he induces his followers to spend to the service of the Lord whatever possessions they have. So we certainly want to get prominent people in our society to contribute and help our society push forward important projects that we have, but we have to be careful that it's not done at the expense of our own Krishna consciousness and what to speak of the Krishna consciousness of the devotees within the society and what to speak of their health and welfare. And even if our, sometimes our leaders appear to be not so much conscious of those things, still it is our responsibility to keep that consciousness, to keep the goal of our, our lives in, in, in clear view and to try to seek out those who actually have our interests at heart in terms of keeping ourselves advanced in Christian, advancing in Christian consciousness. And even on the material platform, those who are not necessarily, who apparently interested in material profit or those who are trying to influence by excessive propaganda to their point of view, trying to embarrass everyone so that everyone thinks that they're left out unless they actually 
adhere to a particular social norm. So whether it begins with the country, thinking ourselves to be born in a certain country or a certain uh, race, a certain gender, or even certain allegiance to some part of ISKCON, uh, those things are, should not cloud our intelligence, that one has to realize that these affections that we have solely by identifying with these things can actually take away our intelligence and not realize ourselves as the servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna. And we ourselves will be responsible ultimately for ourselves if we make wrong decisions on that basis. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada gave us his books and he gave us the guidance of his representatives. So one is as good a representative of Srila Prabhupada as much as one actually follows his instructions and his example and teaches us, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, activities performed in knowledge strengthen one's advancement in real knowledge. So we should always be careful that we're clear why we're doing something. If you go to the store and you want to buy something at the store, which most devotees usually hopefully don't do, and you read the package, the label on the package, of course that's sometimes necessary, that first of all, you should read the label, not that whatever looks pretty in the store, whatever looks beautiful, then you put that in the, your basket to buy. Probably said it's just like if you go to a drugstore and you enter into the drugstore and you look at the, the medicine that's available and you see it has many beautiful bottles and you buy one because it matches your dhoti or it matches your dress and that's the criteria which medicine you take. Uh, that could create very disastrous effects on your health. Similarly, if we go to the supermarket before we buy some food, we should first of all leave, read the label and see what's the ingredients of the food. And if we can't even understand what's on the label, because it's in so many uh, chemical equations are on the label, that you'd have to have a PhD to even understand what some of them are, PhD in chemistry then before we buy such food, we should probably uh, write down the label or the ingredients and go do a little investigation to at least find out what the ingredients are. So first of all, we should be careful what, before we buy something, we should know what the ingredients are. And then we should do some research to find out what their effects are. And if we don't do that, we just buy anything we like that, that seems interesting or that our friends told us they liked. And we don't le read the label and we don't find, we're not aware of what the effects of the ingredients are, then we ourselves can blame no one else but ourselves, whatever effect the, the food has on us. In the same way, uh, the medical companies, in any branch, whether it's Ayurveda or allopathic or homeopathic, whatever it is, they're always telling us that they're 
whatever, what they're offering us is absolutely good and there is no side effects. There's nothing to worry about, just trust us. But we should have some basis of trusting someone. As Prabhupada says in the Bhagavad Gita, blind following and absurd inquiries are condemned. One should not only hear submissively, but one should get a clear understanding through submission, service, and inquiry. Sometimes it's comfortable to blindly follow. Then we don't have to worry about thinking too much. And sometimes we ask all kinds of questions. We're curious about so many things, but it may not actually be relevant for our own real, either spiritual or material well-being. And sometimes we just blindly follow an authority because we give up our own intelligence and we blindly follow someone and afterwards if something wrong happens to us or bad happens to us as a result, then we blame that authority rather than taking responsibility for ourselves. So again, here in this particular verse, Krishna says everything here belongs to him. And therefore he wants us to utilize everything his, for his service. But when we become involved in material energy, then often we become involved in material concepts due to association. That's what everyone has been taught since the beginning of our lives, that we've been born in a certain country, we're of a certain gender, we have a certain religion, we have a certain uh, family that we come from. So th these are not untrue. They have some basis of reality with them, but these are simply products of the material nature. But we ourselves are different from the material nature. We ourselves are spiritual beings. We're now within a certain body. And this body is meant for Krishna's service. And to find out what Krishna wants us to do with his body, how he wants us to think with our minds, what kind of mood we should be in, and what kind of intelligence we have so we can see things properly. That is what we should endeavor for, both on the material platform as well as on the spiritual platform. Prabhupada once said that if someone cheats you, then that's your, that's your sinful, that's a reaction for your sinful activity to allow yourself to be cheated. So it is not that because we're devotees, everyone will treat us so nicely. No one will try to cheat us. And Krishna will protect us. Yes, Krishna will protect us by giving us intelligence how not to get cheated. There is a story of one, one follower of one of Lord Jesus Christ. And he believed very sincerely that the Lord would always protect him. But one day in his city or his village, he got the notification as the other members of his village got the notification that the dam that was nearby was going to break and that the whole village would be flooded and the, their lives would be in danger. So he 
Oh, all the residents of the village began to evacuate the village. Trucks came to evacuate them. And they requested him to also leave the village. But he said, no, no way. You have no faith in the Lord, Jesus. Jesus will save me. It's all right, they couldn't force him to leave, so he stayed there. The dam broke, and the water, the water flooded the entire village, and he had to take shelter in his attic. So one boat came to take him, to save him. But when they met him, the people in the boat, he said, go away, leave me alone. You have no faith. The Lord Jesus will save me. So then he climbed to his attic as the water rose and his whole house became flooded with water. He went to the roof of his house and there a helicopter came to save him. And when the helicopter got near, he said, go away. You people, the, you know, you have no faith in the Lord. Jesus will come and save him. But the water kept on rising and eventually it flooded the entire region and he himself, this man drowned. Luckily, because he was a devotee of Lord Jesus, he went to heaven and there Lord Jesus came and embraced him. And it was a very nice reunion. But the man said, my dear Jesus, I only have one question for you. I believed in you so sincerely that you would save me that in spite of all difficulties, I remain dependent upon your mercy. So why is it that I drown? So Jesus said, Lord Jesus Christ said, well, I try to help you best I could. I gave notification that the village was going to be flooded, but you ignored it. I sent trucks to evacuate you and everyone else, but you ignored it. I sent a boat for you, but you ignored it. I even sent a helicopter to save you, but you ignored it. So I did the best I can, but that was up to you to accept the help or not. So in the same way, we should know where we can get proper bona fide help, help from persons who actually know the subject matter, whether it be spiritual or material. We have no vested interest in gaining from our, from our decision that we make and therefore trying to distort our intelligence so that they can be benefited, rather than actually clarifying our intelligence so that we can be benefited. So we should be careful and make the right decisions and stay healthy and, and make progress in Christian consciousness. Thank you, Hare Krishna. Any questions, comments? Yes, Agnihotra. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Matuja uh, Indurenka from Zaporozhye have a question. Um, by the grace of advanced devotees, I have developed the taste for the study of Srimad Bhagavatam, but I don't always have association of devotees who can explain the correct meaning of each shloka. How should one study Srimad Bhagavatam so that it opens up and there won't be distort, distorted meaning of the text? 
One time, Srila Prabhupada is walking with Giraj Maharaj, and Prabhupada made a philosophical statement. And Giraj Maharaj said, Thank you very much, Srila Prabhupada. I didn't understand that philosophical concept because I was in Maya. And Srila Prabhupada began to laugh and said, You were in Maya. He said, You're always in Maya. He said, sometimes you get some philosophical understanding of something and you make spiritual progress, progress towards spiritual life. But that doesn't mean by a little bit of realization, then suddenly we're out of Maya. So we can expect that our progress in devotional service is going to be gradual. And on the way, Krishna is going to test us. And the help he gives us may be variegated. Just like we may not have so much association with the personal association of devotees. But if we read Prabhupada's books and we listen to Prabhupada's followers who have more of an understanding than we do, that's also association with a pure devotee and with devotees. Now, if we have questions, we can always ask them to more advanced devotees than we have. It's not that we have to figure everything out ourselves. And we should pray to the Lord, the super soul, because the Supreme Personality of Godhead is within our heart like two birds sitting on the same tree. He's closer to us than anyone else is. And therefore, we should take shelter of him and inquire from him. And somehow or another, if we're sincere in our prayers to the super soul, then he'll arrange it in order to clarify our understanding of the things that we are confused about. One time, a very learned professor from a university came to visit Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Prabhupada. As a matter of fact, there was a number of professors from a university and they wanted to make some inquiries from Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. But Srila Thakur was very busy and so he suggested to his guests, the learned professors, that they do some service in the meantime before he could meet with them. So he suggested they go to the Pujari department and see the Pujari department and perhaps assist in polishing the items of the, of the deities there. And because the professors were, you know, in the devotional line, at least, they were mundane professors, but they were connected with the Veda culture. Therefore, they did as Srila Thakura said, and they went to the Pujari department and for some time, they polished the brass and other items of the deities. And they came back to Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Prabhupada and they, to uh, Saraswati Thakur, he asked them, uh, do you still have any questions I can answer? And they said, no, Thakur, that while polishing the brass, all our questions were answered. So if we're sincere and we engage in devotional service and we're in a, in a prayerful mood and we follow the instructions of our acharyas and disciples succession, then many of the things that we have doubts for will gradually be cleared. And if they don't are clear in that way, we always have the opportunity to inquire from devotees we know who might be able to help us with those answers, hear from them and submissively and if possible render some service to them and pray to the Lord that our inquir uh, inquiries will be satisfied 
and that will get some enlightenment within the heart, in the heart. Or as Prabhupada says, that uh, in the Bhagavad Gita in eight, uh, 434, that when one is always submissive and is ready to render service, then the reciprocation of knowledge and inquiries becomes perfect. And the line before that, Prabhupada writes, that one has to pass the test of the bona fide spiritual master. And when he sees the genuine desire of the disciple, then he automatically blesses the disciple with genuine spiritual understanding. So there is, if you read Bhagavad Gita chapter 4, verse 34, the, the method of becoming enlightened in Krishna consciousness, either over specific uh, concerns or in general in Krishna consciousness, uh, probably very nicely elaborates in that purport what the process is of getting our questions answered. Thank you for the question. I hope I answered your question. Anything else? I have a question. Okay. Because we were speaking about the because we were speaking about the pandemic and uh, that was last week, I was wondering about uh, that uh, they reached the gates, they say about depopulating the world. And also I found that in verses 39 to 41 in chapter one in Bhagavad Gita, we are, uh, Prabhupada is, uh, Krishna, of course, is saying about Varna Shankara. So what is actually this thing that is we called uh, unwanted population, unwanted children? Um, how to see it? Because it sounds a little bit strange. How can we call a child unwanted? Because it's just a matter of education. If he, even if he's born demoniac, just like Parlad, if you educated by Narada Muni. Is that right? Okay. Well, unwanted? means that the parents didn't want the child. They didn't want to train the child, especially in spiritual life. They sometimes, due to circumstances, children are born, but sometimes in Kali Yuga, they're, quote, unwanted, and the parents kill the child in the womb. So to get out of the womb nowadays is quite an accomplishment. And then even after the, getting out of the womb, sometimes the parents are neglectful of their education, especially spiritual education, and oftentimes even material education. So a child should be loved and appreciated. And as Prahlad Maharaj said, it is the duty and the responsibility of the, of the parents from the very beginning of the child's life to help them advance in devotional service in Christian consciousness. Because although the human form of life is temporary, it has one great asset that even while one is in the while one is in the uniform of life, one can advance spiritually and become qualified to go back to the spiritual world. Is that right? Uh, I will uh, go. I will listen in the recording. I will try to. Okay. Anything else? After all, you know, whatever is happening, not a blade of grass moves without Krishna's desire. So we shouldn't think that if something is going on somehow or another, it's outside of 
people getting their rightful results of their activities under the jurisdiction of the material energy or the spiritual energy also, depending on which energy people are working under. That Krishna is in charge, he's perfect. Whatever he does is perfect. Whatever he instructs his material energy to do is also perfect. So there's no injustice, but it's up to the devotees to try to help the people understand how to work within this work, material world to advance in Krishna consciousness and avoid the possible results of their past sinful activities. In other words, to try to tolerate the reactions of their sinful activities, fix their mind upon Krishna, go forward in spiritual life, and use their intelligence so that they don't create more problems for themselves in this life than they already have. As far as what goes on in general in the material world, what other people, what the materialists are doing, uh, that is beyond our control. Unless this movement becomes very powerful in, in Krishna consciousness, becomes very influential individually, we don't have much effect on stopping what, whatever good or, or uh, especially bad persons with materialistic desires have. Anything else? Question from uh, Vamana Prabhu. Please explain the topic of Ahimsa milk, co-protection and co-care. Well, in the uh, Bhagavad Gita and elsewhere, Prabhupada writes that milk is the nectarian food which can create finer brain cells that help us advance in pure, in, towards spiritual consciousness. Now, Shri Prabhupada himself didn't differentiate between different kinds of milk. He took, he especially liked the milk in his, from his farms, but he also, when it was not available, he took other milk. Now, some may have a sentiment for wanting to take only hints of milk, but that's according to their sentiment, because as Prabhupada said in the Kali Yuga, everything is contaminated. So even we take only ahimsa milk, that doesn't mean that the cow that we're taking the milk from will not be killed, or the other cows will not be killed. Because we take milk from our own cows or from ahimsa, then it's unlikely those cows will be killed. But just by our only taking milk from ahimsa cows, that doesn't mean that the other cows will not be killed. And those other cows will be deprived of an opportunity to have their milk offered to the Lord and therefore derive benefit. In the story of Putana, there was the example of Putana offered her milk to Krishna. And because she offered her milk, although it was poisonous, she got the benefit of becoming purified and going back to the spiritual world as Krishna's mother. So Prabhupada writes that even if a witch such as Putana could become benefited in such a way by offering her milk to Krishna, so we can understand that anyone who offers things in, in, to Krishna, even though sometimes not with the right intentions, 
will become benefit. And Prabhupada gives the example if one offers a flower to Krishna, then that tree that the flower came from will also be benefit. So it's a complicated subject and different devotees have different feelings and understandings of it. But in general, we should try to see things from a broad perspective and see you know, what our own decision will be. There are many factors in it and it wouldn't be possible to go over it in such a brief period of time. Is that right? Okay. Anyone else have another question? Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Thank you so much for the class. Prayasundari Devi Dasi has her question. Please. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Please accept my obeisances. I actually have two questions, but I don't think there will be time for both of them. Okay. Uh, you mentioned that in the time of the zonal acharyas, buildings become became more important than the welfare, welfare of devotees. I want to ask if such a thing happens, if we see that buildings become more important than the welfare of devotees, what should we do if we are not in a position of authority to make any decision on this matter? Well, thank you for the question, to clarify. I didn't mean that only buildings became more important than the devotees. I, mean, I didn't imply that those who had taken the role of initiating spiritual masters were not interested in their disciples. I mean, I know many of them were very concerned about their disciples. But sometimes when things become very complicated, our decisions will not be so much 100% clear exactly why we're doing things and what the effects of what we're doing, what that entails. So that may happen, especially when we're not completely pure devotees, we're not clear and exactly what the ramifications may be. And even if we were pure devotees, that's up to Krishna, what will be. Uh, Prabhupada wanted buildings. He wanted programs. He wanted so many things that are within ISKCON that were there during the Zonalacharya's times also. But he wanted especially the buildings, the projects, the uh, whatever assets we had to be utilized to help devotees advance in spiritual life, to go from one level of Krishna consciousness to the next. So that's any leader, even though they may not be 100% pure devotees, that's always a big factor or a factor in their dealings with the devotees. But sometimes due to circumstances or due to association, one may forget at times making decisions, how that will affect the spiritual advancement of those who are under or taking guidance from them. So as I said, that's up to us to ascertain. We don't reject anything material as being material because these things are actually spiritual when they're used in Krishna service. The buildings are spiritual, the programs are spiritual, our service is spiritual when it's used in Krishna service. But we should be careful that it doesn't turn material by not neglecting our sadhana, by neglecting our reading of Prabhupada's books, by neglecting our properly associating with the devotees, by becoming being too critical of the things that in our judgment are going wrong. So we have to be careful that we keep ourselves on the spiritual platform and not get entangled in 
bad association, not only externally, but even within ourselves, we can have bad association too, like maintaining our material conceptions of things. So as Prabhupada said, we should be very be strict with ourselves and sometimes we should be more lenient with others. We shouldn't necessarily uh, question every decision the management makes as being protective of assets. And even if they were protective of the assets, still those assets belong to Krishna and it's their duty to become protective of that as assets. And we have some question about our own welfare, then we have to be very, our service is voluntary. And so we have to see how to render service in such a way as to actually meet our own, uh, to protect our own welfare, as well as as much as possible to follow the instructions and example of our authorities and those devotees who are more advanced than us. Uh, Krishna never told Arjuna to give up his intelligence. He told Arjuna to use his intelligence and then decide what to do. That's at the end of the Bhagavad Gita. He teaches he to Takaru. So surrender, as Prabhupada said, doesn't mean to follow things blindly. As I said in the beginning of the class, blind following and absurd inquiries condemned. One should not only hear submissively, but one should get a clear understanding through submission, service, and inquiry. Is that clear? Clearer? Yeah, yes, thank you very much. Do you have time to ask the second question? Yeah, sure. Uh, because you, you've uh, repeatedly mentioned blind following and freedom of thought. And I wanted to ask if we are told that we should not be independent minded and we should only uh, listen to our authorities. Um, but I see that this is not according to what Prabhupada thought and is, this is not also is not according to what you are teaching now. How can we still use our intelligence and think for ourselves, but without being offensive or without showing disdain to those who to those authorities who tell us that we should only listen and not be independent minded? Well, they may be correct in the sense we should not be independent of Krishna. Krishna and his representatives' instructions coming into super succession. But we should be independently strong from Maya to depend upon Krishna. So Prabhupada writes in a letter to Karanda in 1972 that part of our training is to teach devotees to be independently strong, to rely upon Krishna. So that doesn't mean to be independent of everyone because devotees, they also represent Krishna. But we shouldn't give up our intelligence when we, when we see things from a different point of view than our authorities see things. But what we, we should see things from a different point of view based upon Guru Sadhana and Shastra. And then we should discuss it with the authorities, you know, based upon our understanding of Guru Sadhana and Shastra and see if we can come to an agreement. But I don't, if someone says that we should give up our independent thinking, then they have to show us where in Prabhupada's books he says that. Where Prabhupada's instructions say that we should give up our intelligence and just follow blindly. I don't know if there's such a devotee who's saying that. Sometimes there are, but obviously it's you know, not something that we should blindly accept either. 
Anything else? Thank you so much, Guru Maharaj. Thank Sorry. you so much. Anything else? Did, uh, did anything else I need help you Okay, so I think we can stop there. Thank you very much. Karantaraj, Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Kijai, Srila Prabhupada, Kijai. Hare Krishna. 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 Hare